Welcome back to another episode of Somewhere Between, a podcast made by Asian adoptees for Asian adoptees. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Somewhere Between, where we were talking about Chinese New Year. I'm Amy. I'm Alia. I'm Maya. Um, and today we are also joined by Chinese adoptees Blythe and Tara. Do you guys want to give a little intro about yourselves? They can't see you waving. Oh, right, right. Uh, <laughs> I guess, yes, yep. So I'm, I'm Tara, Tara. I go by either. I guess, oh, Shinya and Kuala, right? Because we're all Chinese adoptees. Uh, yeah. I live in Mandarin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, right, yeah. So my name is Tara and I am in New York City. I am a host of Adopted Babies from China podcast. And I currently sort of work, but not really in the city. And I'm excited to talk about this topic because I think pre rolling with Blythe, I think you mentioned. You don't really think about these things until you're, the questions are asked. And now I'm like, okay, I got to regroup and think about it. But yeah, so I'll carry it to you to introduce as well. Awesome. Yeah. Hi, I'm Blythe. Uh, my Chinese name is uh, Shulan. Um, I am 23, living in Toronto, where Maya is. And uh, yeah, interested, excited to to answer the the questions today because I'm sure we can all relate whenever this time of year rolls around. It's just, you just get a little bit like, hmm. So excited to unpack a little bit. Yay, we're super yeah. happy to have you guys here. Well, actually, we're very happy to welcome you both back because you both have been guests before. It'll be exciting to kind of discuss this topic because as adoptees, it's not something that I always um, talk to others about. Uh, so for you guys, I kind of want to, you know, hear on like, how you first were introduced to Chinese New Year? Um, was it through childhood, parents, self-searching? Uh, kind of, what was your first experience? Um, I remember it was always like they. I was adopted through um, Plan Canada or something. Plan International. I don't know. The logo was like the little person, like with a rainbow over them. <laughs> um, and so for a while, uh, when I was younger, they held like annual um, New Year's sort of parades or celebrations like in the building and people who had adopted kids in the past would all like bring their kids um and I never really like, cared too much about it honestly when I obviously when you're a kid you don't um and so those are kind of like my first memories of just this thing that I just kind of get brought to when I'm sitting there like on Cynthia the person who adopted me is lap and I'm just like oh, okay um and I remember she would put up a lot of like the good fortune signs and that upside down around the house um which is interesting it's an interesting sort of um thing that I think a lot of adoptive parents uh with children from China do and yeah that was kind of my my first memories of it I never really thought about it too much I would get a red packet a hong bao every year um from like like random people none of whom are Chinese and I was like okay I'll take the money um but then yeah I don't know as I sort of feel like pulled away from my adoptive family and got I don't know more in in touch is the wrong way to put it but as I became sort of like separated from them more had more Chinese friends and that kind of thing um, I feel like Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year took on its own sort of thing for me so lately for the last few years I've been celebrating with other Chinese friends who are usually Chinese Canadian Uh, most of them are not adopted though most of them are um, second gen immigrants and you know we'll just do like a sweet dinner at someone's house or something like that so it's kind of morphed over the years 
Wait, I have a follow-up question. You said you got humbles just from like random people or like just in your family? Cause like, like in the in the family slash oh. like family friends and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like I only got it from my mom or dad. So me like, too. Here's, here's two dollars. Right? Missing out on the money. I think I only ever got like a lucky packet once and it was uh my mom had put like the only chocolate loonies in. And that was like just one year. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like for me, Chinese year, New Year wasn't like really celebrated growing up. I can't remember the first time like we did anything for. It. I know in my like when I got a little bit older, we would like order in Chinese food takeout sometimes. Um, and my mom has these really um, fancy uh, ice mats that she got from China, and they're like the embroidered silk. So she would like make the table look really nice, and that was pretty much it. Oh, that's still cute though. Yeah, it is. My mom would like Try. decorate my my dad too because my parents are divorced. They would decorate like their houses. They had my mom had this like accordion style dragon. She would like wrap around the banister. She like did the thing like I was talking about like the the happiness and stuff. And then my mom had this like really large square ottoman, and we used to like cover that with a blanket and we would put pillows on the floor and eat like like Mulan, um, on the ground and we get Chinese takeout. Well, like, we call it because I, my the, mom Is that new Mulan and Mushu behind you? It is, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's my oh. favorite movie. So my parents, like, bought a, a placard of it and then put Aww, it up. That's adorable. But yeah, because, like, in the movie Mulan, they would sit at, like, the, the low table and they would have tea. And so I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm basically Mulan. And my mom would be like, sure, yeah. <laughs> we just sit on the ground. That's <laughs> pretty so much. Sweet. And we watched The Big Bird in China. That was a thing that we did. I didn't know that existed. Oh my god. Wait, not gonna watch that. It's pretty good, except the Monkey King terrifies me to this day. I don't like the Monkey King. He would just pop up and like, man! I didn't like it. So I guess I should follow up. Thinking back to my first distinctive memory of Lunar New Year was honestly, I think, being invited to a house gathering. And there was the homemade dumplings going on and then all these other foods with other... Chinese American second generation or also parents and other adoptees. It was with others from the dance group that I was a part of, which was like a Chinese dance focused group, the director of the programs from mainland China, and we would gather. So I think that's my first distinctive memory, but I didn't understand exactly why we were all together having this really, really fancy meal and making dumplings from scratch, because as far as I was concerned, dumplings came from the little takeout container. And then following that year, I believe we actually performed in like a big exhibition or I don't know if that's the right word, but a big performance because they actually do that. I think every year they have a huge performance of singing and opera and acting and dancing of all types. And I think it goes on for hours. I don't remember which night of the new year they do it, but we also, our dance group would participate in some of those gatherings so that I was like, oh, this is like a big deal, but why is it that they're are we doing this now when we just celebrate the new year on this other calendar? And that was a whole other conversation that I was told a lot. But yeah, that was, I would say that's my most vivid memories of this whole concept of like having a celebration just for being in a different culture from like American or I guess Canadian too, right? Yeah. What about you, Alia? Because you grew up with a Chinese mother. So that's actually kind of funny in that I my first memory of Chinese New Year is actually not with Chinese people. Um, 
my first memory is from first grade where I was in school and I don't know if this is the same thing in Canada, but we have like parent PTO. It's like the parents get together, they do their own planning for sometimes like class exercises or um, different like holiday stuff. And my mom was on that and she actually <laughs> convinced them to do something for Chinese New Year just for that inclusion. Aww. And she came in that day and we made those uh, paper lanterns. And that was actually when I learned about, you know, kind of the meaning of Chinese New Year and some like traditions. Um, and then she explained that to my classmates. And it was so funny because I felt exactly like them, like completely clueless, had no clue about it. And I was sitting there like, wow, this is so cool. And I don't think I realized exactly like the full scale of like what it meant. It felt like still being an outsider. And I think as I got older, um, it I started understanding more of why it's such a celebration or understand the traditions. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of funny. Uh, I actually didn't like Chinese New Year for a while because I remember people would always, you know, they'd try and celebrate with me or they say like, oh, happy Chinese New Year. And then some form of like semi-racist statement of just some weird Chinese to me, or um, they like they would ask me questions of, "Oh, you gonna eat like brain today or something?" Um, People like so gross. for a while, yeah, right. They were just like kids, anything weird they could think of, um, and they're like, or they'd be like, "Oh, you're behind on the times. You missed it by like, two months." Ah, so I've funny. definitely heard that one. Yeah. So I don't think I really actually started understanding it or really looking forward to it until I became older. So since you actually grew up with like, I guess, learning Chinese traditions um, at New Year, mm -hmm. are there like any that you particularly enjoy? Mm. I don't think we actually really followed many other than um, distributing home bao uh, and just eating <laughs> a lot. Um, it's the best ones. <laughs> right? That like that's true. all that matters. <laughs> It was funny because that was not the tradition that we really followed. We kind of just looped in Chinese New Year to other traditions. So um, in Chinese culture, there's this thing called Qingming, apparently. And that's when you go back to your ancestors' graves um, and you kind of pay homage. That's when they do like the burning of the money and everything. So that's kind of what Chinese New Year actually became for me when I was younger. And another reason of why I actually didn't like it. We never celebrated on New Year's. It was always after. And then we would just meet up for both. <laughs> so it'd be food, celebration, home bao, a little bit of death, average party. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah. What about you guys? Did you feel that your kind of view on Chinese New Year or, um, you know, maybe like an interest or the way you celebrate it changed as you got older? I feel like I have more respect for it as I've gotten older. I'm currently 28, going to be going on 29. Uh, so I do think as going through the identity with like adoption and just what, what am I doing in life, having something to connect to that's new or unknown to me has been a really nice avenue to just explore. And I do appreciate the the work that goes into making a of dumpling from scratch. I think that's like a lot of patience and care that you don't see, but it could just be as I'm getting older. I appreciate these aspects of something that I come from that I'll never really be a part of too. 
Uh, and as a kid, I, I mean, I think we're still trying to figure out like why we're getting money for no reason, really. But now as an adult, it's like, oh, well, I guess we can get money for no reason for many occasions. This just happens to be one. Is it the money that we would get, though, in the packet? Is the one you said that you like burn, too? Or is it like a separate burning of money? That's like a new concept. Oh, yeah. So that's actually something separate. The money you get in the packet oh. is like, that's the Chinese New Year tradition. The burning of money is the one that goes with Qingming. And you would burn money or paper clothes, paper cars, paper houses. Um, and supposedly by burning that, you're sending it to your ancestors. So if that's the case, my my grandparents are stacked, they're loaded, and they've got <laughs> like paper Gucci and BMWs everywhere. <laughs> ah, cool. For me, um, I think it changed like kind of what I was talking about before where it's changing from this thing that I don't really understand that I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, and as I sort of um, I'm lucky to make more Chinese friends and that kind of thing, it becomes more of a communal thing. So I guess I would say it becomes, mm-hmm. uh, it changes for me from this sort of, which I think a lot of adoptees and probably any, you know, second, third generation, any sort of Chinese who grew up abroad might find. Um, but maybe particularly for adoptees, because we usually lack that familial connection. Anything like, you know, Lunar New Year or whatever is just kind of this festival of signs, of symbols, of these hollow symbols. You know what I mean? Oh, it's whatever. I, I'm Chinese, I guess. Like so here, I'll stick a fortune sign on my wall and like whatever, um, which I think is often maybe like how um, when you know our adoptive parents um, sort of decorate the house like that kind of thing I think it often is like even if we like whether or not we like it um, whether or not it's well-intentioned is just kind of like this like oh you're Chinese so like here we'll stick a sign up you know Um, so I think it changed from that just kind of like hollow symbol to something that now I can't say that like I deeply, deeply understand like the, you know, anything that's happening. But what it means to me now that I think is substantial is um, like having these communal experiences. Um, So like one time I got invited to um, my friend's place and there were just everyone she knew who was Chinese, who were all women also. were just there and we just all made dumplings together and it was really cute and we sucked at it and she would just like message her mom for the recipe and send her mom pictures to see if she was doing okay um and you know when when COVID hit I just had like a sad takeout dinner with my friends on zoom or something um but I think it's come to sort of be that communal aspect um and in a way like I feel like that's probably how a lot of you know China Chinese or whatever people experience it too right like like we if we celebrate Christmas here it's not because we know anything deep about like the history of Christmas or anything or even that we're Christian but it's more just like the holidays you know like you're with your family or something um so yeah so sweet though I really love that Mm. and it's like that thing of you know Yes, you have birth family. Yes, you have adoptive family. But then there's also that really important family that you choose to build. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So is that something you'll be doing again this year, Blay? Honestly, I have not. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I haven't heard um, whether anyone wants to, to do anything. Also, um, people have like their own families right so like a lot of my friends because they're they're second gens like they'll just go home with their families for the holidays or something and of course like I can't go because of COVID and that kind of thing like Mm -hmm. right now um so I'm not sure it might just be a zoom thing honestly 
Maybe I'll just make you come make dumplings with us. <laughs> oh, that would be cute. Are you going to do that? So I actually don't really usually celebrate Chinese New Year um, for other reasons that we can talk about later. But um, that sounds like a good thing that might we can maybe try and start doing this year for myself. That'd be so cute. Yeah. Although I have tried to make dumplings in the past, and I'm just like really bad at folding them. Like it takes like, I've practice. Watched, I've watched these yeah. tutorials, and I just I don't know. Because I wasn't good at origami, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It doesn't have Normally, to be pretty. That's true, as long as it tastes good. Right? That's all that matters. And the filling doesn't leak too much. <laughs> yes, yeah, you don't want dry dumplings. What about you guys? What are your plans? One year that I was in college, my friend, I had another Chinese friend. Um, we took a couple more of our friends to Chinatown in New York and we like got to celebrate with like a big crowd. So that was really cool. It was a lot of fun. It was like a little group of people that we took. And then we went back. I, w- I was in a um, co-ed marching band fraternity for service. So it was just a big old nerd fest. Um, but we had chapter after and we bought everybody like Hong Bao's, but we just stuffed them with like candy we got in Chinatown. So that was really cool. But kind of like what Bly said, like the last couple of years, you know, COVID, trying to be safe and everything. Um, so we've kind of cut down to, you know, just take out. Um, I might be able to convince my friends to like, maybe we can go to somebody's house and we can like get takeout. Most of my friends in the state that I'm going to be in are white. Um, so it's kind of like what Blaise is saying is like, for them, it's more like, just like, oh, this is like, things adjacent to Chinese things and like we'll do it with Amy because she's really excited about it and I'm just like like oh my god guys we're gonna get hog bow we're gonna get dumplings and they're just like yeah Amy sure whatever yeah you want to you want to like watch a movie too so like it's a little stereotypical they always well intended but like we'll put on like Crazy Witch Asians or Mulan or something just to kind of keep the vibe going um they all it's always with love so that's probably what I'll do last year I spent it with my dad um but I'm going back into Connecticut so it's just my friends around so the family that we make right yeah also Shang-Chi that's true. That's we do true. have that one. Dude, we saw that movie with my friend and he fell asleep at the end. He always falls asleep. <laughs> and we get to the end and we're like, what do you think of the dragon? Because it looks so cool. Sorry. Uh, spoiler alerts. There's a <laughs> dragon somewhere. And he was like, what dragon? And we're like, did, what? did you miss the last like half hour of the movie? It was anyways. Dude, the important part. I yeah. know. <laughs> but that's what we normally end up doing. How about you guys? Alia? Are you going to do anything this year? Um, It's like you guys, we're COVID. I've been re- missing my family. And mm. for me, it's kind of been really sad in a different way in that it's made me realize, you know, how old my family members are. Um, you guys know how what it is. Like adoptees, we just tend to have older parents and then our families are older. Um, and because everyone's so worried about COVID, like, you know, we've got to be really careful because of their age too. Uh, and so it's kind of just like that limited time you have left with people. So, but still trying to find a way to celebrate. I am going to go home with my mom, go home to my mom, um, after the new year. And she wants to try a bunch of old recipes that her mom actually used to make and she never learned. So she wants to try them out with me and like, kind of teach me how to make them. Wait, that's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited because... It's kind of funny. You guys mentioned like, you know, making dumplings um, like Tara with like your dance team or Blythe with friends. 
And my family's actually never done that. <laughs> We've never done the like make your own Chinese New Year food and stuff. We make Chinese food sometimes at other holidays.、Um, but for Chinese New Year, we just always went out. And so、um, this will kind of be the first time where it feels like like what Chinese people do, if that makes sense, and not kind of、mm, how to describe it, like non-Chinese people, because doing the like going to the restaurant to get Chinese food or Um, going to the New Year's festival that would go through like Chinatown, I always felt like such an outsider. Like they could see that I'm fake or something, you know.、Um, so this kind of feels like that first time of oh, like I'm actually connecting this year. That sounds really special.、Mm. I hope it's really fun. Tell us about it、yes. after. I'll send you、uh, pictures. <gasps> I'll share some of the recipes too if they go well. <laughs> <laughs> if they go well. Could do like a little TikTok. Would that be so satisfying? I've never downloaded TikTok. Well, apparently it has a really big adoptee community on there. That's what like many people have told me. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it's huge. It is. What?、Like, yeah.、Oh, yeah. I didn't、it's、know. Huge. That. That's unexpected. Yeah, it's bigger than like Instagram or anything else. It's pretty big. So, what are you gonna be doing, Tara?、Uh, I'll be on COVID or not. I probably wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> It's sort of just like another day, and、um, I was moving during the last one last year. So I was like, "Yeah,、Enough. moving this year." We're trying to animate. To me, it's just like another day. I always use it as a count off of like, "Oh well, soon it'll be Valentine's Day and this count Chocolate Day," which I think I celebrate that more hardcore. I think Alia, you and I had this whole conversation probably on, on the last episode. Yes. <laughs> oh, let's just break up the. Chocolate again, <laughs> but it's so close. You know, it's like oh, you got the New Year, and then you got Lunar New Year, and then Chocolate Day. That'd be my goal. And every time I guest on your podcast, let's talk about Chocolate Day. <laughs> yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. So no, no, no big, no big celebrator of the New Year. And I'm also, I'll be honest, like lazy because I, it's like I appreciate the process of making something from scratch. I really do,、mm-hmm. but. I think it's probably hours of preparation. It's like that's okay. I can do that on a day where I don't want to do anything else. But yeah, yeah. so it's like nah, and a just... lot of cleanup too. Yes, a lot of.、So、cleanup. I don't know which is worse, worse, like all the preparation before you can make it, or all the cleanup after the fact. I think it's all the cleanup because you're not even that hungry once you finish making it, and you're like eat one. It's like all right, I'm not hungry, but I gotta clean this up. <laughs> But I feel like it's kind of tough if you're not used to cooking like traditional Chinese food or whatever. You have to buy all of those ingredients. Whereas, like, if you're commonly cooking a lot of those things, you already have, you know, your basics. So you, it's it's a relatively easier process and not as expensive too.、Oh. Can get like really costly if you're not used to having like five spice and all that stuff. That's very. And、true. also, if you don't live in an area where it's easily accessible, like yeah, the area I'm in, Brooklyn, nothing Asian. <laughs> Actually, if you guys are interested,、uh, we found this website—not sponsored.、Um, it's called <laughs> Say We, and they have like Korean stuff, Chinese stuff, Japanese stuff,、um, and you can get it delivered. So we've actually been trying that out,、uh, just because. Yes, I do live in New York, can go to Chinatown, but COVID, we try to avoid dirty subways,、um, and it's been kind of a nice way to try and like make more Asian recipes. Um, and experiment with stuff that you always see in movies, or like I'll hear Chinese people talk about, and I'm like, oh yeah, 
totally know that. <laughs> That's really cool. One of my friends is from Oklahoma, and she drives an hour to get her Asian groceries. Oh, oh God. Yeah. I respect that dedication. An hour away. And, like, granted, down south, like, like I never understood Country Mile until I really, like, a mile in the city versus a mile down south is, like, very different. It's, like, not that bad, but, like, still, I just look around, and I'm like, man, I really, really am fortunate to live How often is she going? She goes, like, definitely, like... I want to say at least once a month, if not more. I feel like it's more. But she goes to buy, like, certain ingredients because she can't get them anywhere else. But she really likes to – like, she's a Korean adoptee. So she gets, like, gochujang, and she puts that with chicken and rice. Um, so it's, like, one of her staples. And she gets, like, big things of rice and stuff. But it's still, like, an hour just to get her Asian ingredients. It's, like, man – I would not. I do that for like a very special trip, but it's not like a regular thing. And for her, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go get my stuff. I'll be back in two hours because they're in back. I'm like, man. That's a work commute. Right? Yeah. I'm going to check my time. New York City privilege now. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I think for, you know, southwestern Ontario, in most of our grocery stores, we have like an international aisle or Asian section, which has like rice and like some cooking sauces. Is that something you guys have in like your average grocery store as well or I would say so at least where I am but I was kind of make fun of it because it's like international but it's like Asian and then Spanish and 90% of the aisle is just like different kinds of rice and I'm like oh, yes well. that's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's the same kind of yeah I've been noticing more in the years at, in like my area in Brooklyn and then also in Jersey even that it's slowly, I say slowly, very slowly, becoming more diverse. The ethnic aisle, as sometimes they call it. Um, and they're starting to expand where it's not just Chinese stuff. That's like all American brand Chinese stuff. Um, they're actually getting some actual Chinese brands sometimes. Um, or they've been pulling in some Korean food. Uh, I've seen some Indian stuff. This is all mainly in Jersey. And then... In New York, I've actually started seeing um, Chinese stuff popping up in my area. So it's been kind of interesting, like, watching all the grocery changes. Um, so I guess, like, the final question before we kind of wrap this up is one that I was talking about um, before we started recording, which is, do you guys feel um, any discomfort with celebrating Chinese New Year? Because I know I personally um, do. I kind of if this qualifies for imposter syndrome, but I feel like I don't, I'm not qualified, I guess, to be um, celebrating it. Maya, um, can I ask, is, like, is that the, the main or, like, the only reason why you don't really celebrate? Like, is it... Yeah, I think of, that's probably... Yeah the big reason so I just remember well I had like some bad experiences in high school just like trying to explore my Asian identity because I finally got to go to school with a bunch of um, Chinese and like Koreans and I was like wow people who look like me is like amazing um and I was like very quickly turned away because I was not Asian enough for them and that was very difficult for me to go through especially in high school because that's like when you have like your lowest self-esteem and it's, it was a rough time um and then i think yeah so the chinese new year right before covid i lived with my landlord and some other students like the family we lived with um was chinese and like one of the other um students was um so they took us out uh for chinese new year and i don't know why just like the whole experience was just very uncomfortable um I just felt the entire time like I was a complete outsider. And so, yeah, that was, was a little rough <laughs> for me, not going to lie. Maybe it's like, um, like, because I, 
I definitely feel like some discomfort like I think almost any adoptee even like second probably some second gens will feel some degree of like imposter syndrome or whatever um but maybe it's like I feel like the discomfort I would feel like because I I have to just go off of like hypotheticals because again mostly I've I've spent uh Chinese New Year when when I'm with other Chinese people they're like second gens they speak English you know what I mean it's like it's like we're all kind of like I don't, I don't know what, <laughs> what we're doing here but um but I sometimes like imagine like okay like what if I were to go with you know one of my friends who's like an international student and if, if I tried to like celebrate with with them and I think it would just like the discomfort I would feel would be not anything particular to like it being New Year's but I think because you just have so many people you like think about all the things right that like as adoptees or whoever like we feel probably like insecure about right like language you know um knowing like certain customs whether it's like you know New Year related or something else like um I think and just being surrounded by like a bunch of people who who do you know speak that language or whatever um I think maybe like New Year's for me like in that scenario would just be sort of hyper like um amplified version of all the things that I just normally feel you know what I mean but it's usually like a little bit you know it's not super noticeable you might it might flare up every now and then but you don't feel it like all at once but I think because New Year's is such like a big like thing like all these people all this food all the language whatever that maybe that's why some of us or at least for me um might feel like more uncomfortable around new year's because it's really just like the same old stuff that we're like insecure about or whatever it's just like extra hard you know yeah but, like maybe in some situations you experience like the language insecurity or like the cultural but then all it's like all of the insecurities all at once like times 10. Yeah. Like I'm lucky, like I, I feel very comfortable, like, you know, when I'm with like my Chinese Canadian friends or whatever, but I'm like, oh man, like if I were with, you know, uh, like a group of like China Chinese people right now, like I would just feel like very overwhelmed and very like, you know, um, lacking in all these different ways. So I definitely, yeah, if that ever happens, um, we'll, we'll see. But if that ever happens, um, I'm sure it will be an interesting experience. Um, but yeah, for now, that just that scenario just kind of lives in my head and the way I celebrate New Year's like with Chinese Canadians is pretty chill um but yeah I think you said that very well I don't know what to add I, I, the only thing I could add because I think both of you kind of hinted at it which I'm surprised just uh like my your view too like even in company that was comfortable you still kind of felt discomfort but I, I don't I don't really know I feel like it there's only your discomfort depending on who your company is with when you're, I guess, celebrating that occasion. Because if it's people you're usually comfortable with or they know you, it's not as much pressure to put on this like show. But I think what you said was really great. I second it. Yeah. Thumbs <laughs> up. I was wondering if you've had like any like relatable experiences, Tara. Uh, I feel like my brain just forgets all the non-great moments and all good <laughs> that I might have had because I think I definitely had some uncomfortable times and mm -hmm. I think like a big thing is a celebration of uh, a parade wow it's like a parade will usually happen and I do admit when I moved to New York City I was kind of excited for that prospect of the parade that goes in I have a parade for, Lun for Lunar New Year right mm -hmm. there's a I really want yeah. to walk go to one of those because I've never seen mm -hmm. they yeah look so cool. 
but I can see how going to the parade and seeing all these strangers might amplify exactly what Bly was saying related to like, oh yeah, I'm not really, this is, it brings up all the trauma that we all experience. Mm-hmm. Unless, I guess, if you had a more intimate, just a gathering of people and like watching the parade on TV, I don't know if they even do that, kind of like mm-hmm. we do with American New Year's and watch the New Year's celebration on TV. But that yeah. makes me think every year they they do um, the massive gala, right? Like um, CCTV yes. puts on this, like massive gala every year, and like look, whatever uh, uh, criticisms aside, etc. That stuff is just hilarious to watch. It's so fun, and it's also fascinating, right? Like I really enjoy going to watch. Like I won't watch the whole thing. Also, a lot of it is often comedy sketches in Mandarin, mm-hmm. so I obviously don't understand. Um, but like going back to watch the performances. Um, like the dance and dancing and that kind of thing are always like really interesting because they're either like absolutely amazing, like awe inspiring. You're like, how did they do that? Or they're just like so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like there's like this like weird, I don't know, some sort of like pop performance where they were clearly trying to be like cool or something and it's not working. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually do. That is one thing I usually do. Mm. Um, and a lot of the times, like one of my international student friends, like will message me like, oh, did you see this performance? And I'll talk to them a bit about that. But yeah, that's another thing that is like kind of tradition-ish, um, not traditional in like the you know, age old sense, but like, I think like most Chinese yeah. people watch that gala every year um, oh, yeah. or at least some of it. So um, I try to do a little bit of that too. Yes, cool. yes. I've never heard or seen that. I gotta watch that this year mm-hmm. you can all talk about it <laughs> yeah yeah as a bonus oh. yeah it's, it's like our, our live reaction to it yeah Ooh, true yeah <laughs> dude like the the documentary we just all watched together yeah <laughs> perfect <laughs> um i think because most of the people that i've been surrounded with were not asian I because I'm like the most Asian just in all sense by being the only Asian I'm automatically the most Asian I don't normally feel that discomfort but I think in college when we would have events like that I would definitely feel that discomfort because again kind of like what Blythe said it kind of touched upon the cornerstone of like all of the things that we're insecure about like I feel like Lunar New Year is the culmination of like it's one of the biggest holidays right I mean it's it's long and it's all about family and every single thing so it just the culmination of every adoptee's trauma in a sense. Um, but again, now that I've left college and I my other Asian friends are more scattered, it, again, I'm back to hang out with mostly my white friends, um, which is fine. I love them, obviously. But that lack of proximity to other um, people who look like me or cel- would celebrate Chinese New Year as well, it makes me the authority. So like whatever I say kind of works. Um, like I could lie to them. They don't know. Like they have no idea what is going on. But one of the things that was actually really validating, I, in, um, right after college, I lived in an apartment and it was owned by a Chinese man. He had a, a bunch of different things. He went into college kids and he had to come over and fix our heater because it was broken in the winter and it was freezing. Um, and right as he was leaving, I said like, oh, like, and he went, wait, you're Chinese. And I was like, yeah I mean I'm adopted but he's like I have a Chinese girl living here like the fact that I was adopted did not matter to him he was like he like shook my hand and he gave me a hug and he's like and it was just like I've never had that experience of like especially so I think like either is like 
he's got a pretty strong accent, so like I don't want to assume, but I feel like he's he's more recent immigrant to America. So just have somebody like validate me entirely and not make me feel like an outsider, knowing I was adopted, knowing that both my parents are white. It was like the one time I was like, I like almost cried. I was like, Jenny and Quila, like, yo, yo, I'm almost crying listening to that. <laughs> like, it was I think, so, I was uh, so happy. Like, I was the only one in the house, and I texted all of them. And then for the rest of the time we lived here, every time I messaged him, he started messaging. He would like, me- like we messaged online. So I guess like he didn't think of it because of my last name. But then when I said that, it like all connected. So he was, we were like his favorite tenants. He was like, you guys are my favorite. Wow. It was like, Aww. so like that, like one little nugget. It kind of like. I want to say like it it made up for all the other things that we experienced but like it really it like heals a part of me that I didn't know was broken in a sense which is like super cheesy but it's true and I was like okay I'm gonna like it just made me feel good and it made me feel more comfortable like saying like Shinny and Quila to people and just like talking about customs and like saying like you know not prefacing everything was like oh I'm adopted so like I don't like just like I don't really know a lot it just made me feel a little bit more comfortable even though it was just like one person validating that identity and like I feel like a little bit more okay like going into spaces and like I don't know things but I'm sure trying and that's that's been like a big change even though it's like such a one like such a seemingly minor thing <laughs> it was like really eye-opening no I mean <laughs> that's so sweet that's big, yeah. it was it was like what? I still Peter Peter if you're ever gonna listen probably not you know because you're an elderly man but Shout out to you, man. <laughs> I hope that everyone has a Peter experience in their life. Mm-hmm. Dude, I know you mentioned it's like not a big thing, but honestly, that sounds like one of those kind of life changing moments. Like you Why? said, if it's like so affirming and to not have to explain your story or like feel shameful for your story to yeah. just be mm-hmm. like, oh, we have like this bond. I don't care how we have this bond, but it's mm-hmm. some sort of bond. Come here, fellow human. Yeah, That's, it was, oh. it was, uh, my whole heart, my whole heart. <laughs> it's nice to be connected. We have, uh, actually, our neighbor who lives below us, he's the caretaker of the landlord, which I don't know at all. But every so often, we have, like, little of Mandarin with uh, trying, and our communication is very limited, but she'll actually, like, bring us, like, food and milk and knock on our door and just, like, give us all the stuff and just doesn't say much, but just, like, here... So I was like, oh, it's so nice to be connected to somebody from the homeland. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the Chinese grandparents we never had almost. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She called my two roommates, uh, like, your, is that your two older brothers? Are they here? Because we're obviously not related, but it was very sweet. She's like, yeah, the good, good side now. I was like, oh, yeah, they're here. Aww. It was very Aww. sweet. I was like, oh, wow. Because, again, very limited vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But she was trying to explain that. It's like, are you going to be back home soon? Because the person needs to pick your fix your heater, ironically. It's like, no, no, no. Which is really funny. It's like, I relate to this story. Yeah. It is really cool. I think a lot, especially those who come to the U.S. and they find, like, other Chinese people, even if we're adopted or not, they're all, they're like, there's a community. Let's all be together. I think it depends on the area. Like if they're if you're in a very white area where it's like a drought in terms of like mm-hmm. other Chinese people there, I think they'll like 
maybe hold on to more because I I had some similar things like I grew up in Brampton which is like just outside Toronto it's like very heavily South Asian and black um, but there are like almost no East Asians living there and so like like random Chinese people who worked at like the Mandarin or whatever um, which is like this you know very common kind of buffet here yeah um, Mm -hmm. would you know really like me and they would um, they would you know kind of like get used to me and bring me special cakes and stuff but I think it's just because there were like no Chinese people in the area but now like I live in in Chinatown in Toronto right and Toronto at least um like has pockets where there are like tons and tons of Chinese people Mm -hmm. and like people don't give a fuck here (laughs) they're like they're not like oh you're Chinese especially because um we both live around the university area so there's a lot Mm -hmm. of international students yeah exactly it's actually like kind of nice though because I feel like we blend in which is like something that I've never before it is it is delightful but it's also interesting because like at the same time that you kind of derive these like feelings of closeness and like togetherness or something from that like um it also kind of pushes you away at the same time because it's like even more clear like what you're not you know what I mean so like I find it very interesting I don't know if Maya you feel the same way or if anyone else here who's like been around like you know a lot of Chinese people in that way um and like lived in an area like that would feel that way but like it's kind of this this double-edged sword because on the one hand you feel this kind of like togetherness you feel like you're part of something or or whatever but at the same time it's like because it's so saturated you're just like oh fuck I'm not Chinese or like whatever you know what I mean <laughs> that yeah, syndrome, like really kicks in for you oh yeah I, and it's like Chinese New Year oh sorry I was gonna say Chinese New Year is one of those moments where it like forces you to like have to then connect with others uh, adoptees mm-hmm. or second generation immigrants where because like we all I think in our own timelines and pathways will identify with the Chinese culture or not in different times but I think the, the whole premise of this episode and coming back to it is like talking about the Chinese New Year we're all like actually forced to like really identify with that culture in the moment because mm-hmm. it's that event which uh, I think really like full circle of how this came to be, I guess. But yeah, in our <laughs> own identity crises that we have, um, we go through at different times, but I think Chinese New Year specifically will like force you to have to think about it more than if you weren't even really wanting to. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Thank you everyone for the great discussion. Um, I feel like I have a lot more to reflect on, I think. Especially Blythe, you made some beautiful points that I will definitely right. be thinking of for the next couple of days. But it was also like really great hearing all of your stories. And I don't know, it's kind of nice to know I'm not the only one who uh, feels I guess, awkward and comfortable celebrating Chinese New Year. So, hey, we're all in this together. Yeah. Jig is up! <laughs> Jig is up, everyone. I was going to say, Q High School Musical. <laughs> um, if you're interested in participating in one of these episodes, you can email us at summer.between.podcast at gmail.com. That's a lot of dots in our email. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Keep that. Change all the episodes now. Yeah. Go Rehaul. Email. It's not the first time yeah. we've had to, but we can. Yeah. Oh, God, please. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just because okay, I haven't so said this in such a long time that I was like, wow, I'm saying dot a lot. Yeah. Anyway, I feel that. And don't forget to join our Instagram family at somewherebetween.fam to stay connected with updates, casting calls, and more. See you guys next time. Bye.